Hello, sacred beings, and welcome to another episode of Sacred Sister Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Britt Lynn, and this is a personal episode. So some of you might be like, what differentiates a personal episode from a regular episode? Well, we feature guests who are spearheading their sacred missions, and in between guests, a lot of times Hannah and I love to expand on deeper gems that are on our hearts, that we feel very called to speak on, things that we are assisting our clients in working through, and today's episode is no different. What I want to open up on today is moving through dark times and space holding for loved ones who are moving through dark times. Last night at the Subtle Soul Down Tempo Dance event that my husband and his sacred brother Jordan Handel put on, I sat with our resident tarot reader, Julia, who's a dear sister of mine, and she offered an insight that I want to present to each and every one of you, and that is this healing, deep, oceanic energy of the Piscean season that we're moving through right now. We talked about how she's witnessing in the collective these huge surges of grief and loss and assessing those inside of ourselves. And even if you're listening to this and it's not Pisces season anymore, that is irrelevant because the Piscean energy all of us are able to feel into within our own solar charts, our natal charts, all of us have Piscean energy and like arenas that the Piscean energy is governing within our own lives. So really this episode is an extension of something that's circulating in the collective as a whole, and it is with great honor that I present this episode today. Initially, when I started recording this, I was going to put everything together, but I've decided to split it into two parts because this topic means that much to me. It's that important to me. And I feel that the gems that are coming through in this episode are profound. They're very helpful and healthful to be opening and deepening dialogue on. So in this episode today, we're going to be focusing on assessing the self, moving through dark times as oneself. And in the part two, we're going to be opening up on space holding for loved ones. So in this episode, we are talking about why moving through dark times can be a closeted topic, a closeted, somewhat isolated type of peace to feel through, moving through the more dense energies, more dense frequencies, more dense vibrations, however you want to think about sadness, loss, grief. My intention for this episode is to normalize these types of conversations. As I was saying, it can be very isolating and feel like a closeted topic that one can be ashamed that they're going through, that they're dealing with, that they have organically, naturally, innately arising in their lives. And if we are able to, as a community, get more comfortable with our own sadness and what that looks like in our own lives and really own that, really claim that, really stand for that, honor, respect the fact that it's occurring, then we begin empowering the fact that we are emotional beings, we go through emotional processes, we are not heartless, we are not calloused, we are not bypassing our emotions, and we are standing for sadness that moves through us, and it's okay. It doesn't need to be a closeted topic. 
so long as we are truly empowered in the healing process that is feeling into the nature of our being, which yes, includes water, just as it includes fire, just as it includes air, just as it includes earth. The water is essential for growth. Water is essential for life to continue. So in this episode, we talk about some of the new age and hashtag high vibe only thought streams when we can feel like there isn't room for dense lower vibrations and eradicating that belief from our psyche. We talk about the seven emotional stages of grief and I'll offer five insightful pieces on moving through dark times as oneself, how to really sink into that sadness. It's so funny saying stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I feel like people are going to be clicking away. And it's because this can be a triggering topic. It's like, how much are we distracting ourselves from the truth of what is inside of our lives? We don't want to feel sadness because it is hard. It's uncomfortable. But if we can really see the value in moving through these pieces and acknowledging them within us, there's just no telling where it's going to take us, where it's going to lead us, who it's going to evolve us into. And I will tell you right now, I'll provide some context as to the darkness that I move through on a regular basis, but it's led me to embody a strength that I never, ever, ever thought possible for myself. And I wouldn't trade anything that's occurred in my life for anything. I utilize my circumstance to have it help me evolve and help me grow to be a stronger person. I am not a victim of my circumstance. My circumstance is not a detriment in my life because I choose and I will it to be so. This is the type of society that I wish to be surrounded by, and so I know that I must step forward and present the insights that I have around this topic because it's what I want to see in the world, so I have to embody it first. And as a Gemini stellium, I am very, very keen to open and deepen dialogue in this realm, even though it might make some people uncomfortable. In this episode, I'll be offering some helpful hints in moving through sad times and just opening up on healing, on how contraction is a part of the expansion process. I want to start this episode out by saying that it's okay to be sad, (laughs) that sadness and grief and experiencing loss and what that might look or feel like for you is a very healthful and healthy process to move through. Obviously, if we look at experiencing loss or sadness or grief, loneliness on a spectrum, there are poles to the spectrum. I feel like we talk about poles, polarity, duality, and spectrums here on Sacred Sister Podcast quite a lot. And the reason that we like bringing awareness to these spectrums of experience is because pretty much nothing is a black or white. (laughs) Pretty much everything is a gray, some shade of gray. And it's usually through asking deeper questions that we're able to really establish and get curious about where we're at on any given spectrum. This is part of what I really love as an energetic cartographer in cultivating the self-relationship, deepening the self-relationship really asking myself well on a scale of 
one to 10, (laughs) where do I see myself on this specific spectrum that we're talking about? And today we're talking about the spectrum of sadness and grief and what the grief process can look like. Because when we don't allow ourselves to express and experience and acknowledge the sadness, the grief that's within, we can find ourselves suppressing it or running from it, pretending that it's not there. And that, in my personal opinion, is more problematic as time goes on than assessing it. (laughs) Let's make it safe for our friends to express grief. And as an extension of our friends, the greatest friend of all, ourselves, let's make it safe for ourselves to express grief and heartache and ditch that bypassy, like, shame energy that we can sometimes feel in the collective around enveloping and expressing those lower, more dense vibrations. Because ultimately, if we look at on a scale of consciousness, right now I'm referring to Dr. David Hawkins' levels of consciousness scale, on a scale of emotion, shame, grief, sadness, very dense. They're at the bottom of the spectrum. And sometimes we can look at that and be like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want any of that. I don't want anything to do with that. So naturally, we want to bypass it. We want to go around it. But as the human experience unfolds, for heaven's sake, sadness is going to be a part of that sometimes. (laughs) If you really are showing up to what your process truly, truly is. Like truly. How much time do you set aside for yourself to really self-assess, to assess your own self, to see what's up? And then once you find maybe some unsavory, dense emotions, anger, sadness, shame, blame, feelings of isolation, of loneliness, it's like for heaven's sakes, we're going through some of the most trying times in human history right now for this civilization at least. I'm very hopeful. I'm guessing if you've made it here to this point in the episode that you are getting curious about this, you are interested in this, you are wanting to bring this into your own life. And for that, I thank you. I tip my crown to each and every one of you who are here listening to this. It is so important for us to be acknowledging and assessing the sadness that's moving around inside of us at varying degrees, in varying forms, showing up in various ways. This is what helps us learn to trust ourselves more deeply because we're showing up for ourselves first. Growing that trust and intimacy with ourselves is huge. And it doesn't matter how much trust, it's like the depth of intimacy, trust, and vulnerability that we can have with other people is a direct reflection of how vulnerable, trustworthy, and intimate we are with our own selves. And this, seeing ourselves and allowing sadness, acknowledging and expressing sadness with ourselves first, in the quiet moments when no one else is looking, when no one else is watching, the relationship that we have with ourselves the most important piece of this human existence, in my humble opinion. This is the whole foundation and nature of the business that I have. (laughs) 
helping people deepen their relationship with themselves is really what I do. And that's what I'm expanding on here in this episode today. So as a little bit of backstory before I get into the meat of this episode, I want to provide some context as to why this is such a passionate piece for me in my own life. Uh, Some of you that follow me personally on Instagram might know that I am about a week into a social media cleanse. I'm taking a month off of social media to assess my own sadness, which is what is inspiring this episode. Uh, Today is day two of um, almost three weeks that I haven't cried, which means today and yesterday I haven't cried, but the past two and a half weeks before that I was crying every single day. (laughs) And um, the reason for that is because I, in the last couple years, have lost both of my parents, and and something that I've noticed that triggers the onset of these deep, sad stints is that in my own personal life, I am constantly pressing new edges, growing, evolving. It is the basis of my own human existence. It's what leads me, guides me through this life. So recently, just before this sadness season onset was the busiest weekend at the Conscious Life Expo where I was offering a workshop on cultivating sacred sisterhood with Hannah, offering cacao ceremony to 50 beautiful beings, my first time ever doing that in that type of setting, being on my first ever panel as a featured guest in a realm that I deeply am devoted to and care about. And then offering my own seven pillar process of transformation workshop, which is again, me pressing the edges of my nature, presenting to these people, filling the room, these ideas, these concepts. It's this massive growth moment for me. And when I was leaving and I arrived back home, it's like energetically, I go to turn around and tell my parents, oh my gosh, you're going to be so proud of me. This weekend was epic and tell them everything. And then it's like, I turn around and I have the whole experience happen in a flash right before my eyes. And I realize that they're not there. And this might sound so weird to people who haven't experienced really massive trauma like this of losing their parents in the ways that I did, but that is what it is. I turn around, I'm like, oh my God, not only am I not able to tell them about this massive triumph in my life, but I'm never going to be able to tell them in the physical form, in the flesh. I'm never going to be able to get held to be told I'm so proud of you, which is something that I really, really value of my dad always like encouraging me. And that is what the onset of this most recent sad season has been stimulated by. My family is so close. Just four days before my mom passed away, they actually celebrated their 35th wedding anniversary. And moving through such deep sadness and grief, like excruciating pain from losing both of my parents is just a part of my life now. Sadness is an inevitability that all of us have shades of and reasons to be sad for. And I'm just sharing my own personal experience and For me, I feel like it's helpful to provide some context for that. So 
as a brief synopsis. At the end of 2018, my mom entered a cancer treatment center in Utah to treat rare forms of blood cancer and bone marrow cancer. Now, the treatment was to include a bone marrow transplant in which they pretty much take my mom's immune system down to zero, down to that of a newborn baby, and inject these stem cells from my uncle, Edward, who was the beautiful donor for my mama, and then her body at that zero immune system level would be integrating those stem cells that were given, and then she would begin building a new immune system because these um, autoimmune illnesses that she had um, and the cancers were really wreaking havoc on her body. So her body wasn't able to intake the stem cells. Sometimes it grafts, sometimes it doesn't graft. In my mom's case, it did not graft to her body, the stem cells. They did not intake them. And that was a very excruciating process to witness. I put everything on my life on hold while my mom was in treatment for the one month. I was out there with her more than half of that time. I was her vigilant voice when she literally couldn't talk, when she was having a very hard time in the hospital. I would be speaking with her medical team. I was down there with my dad and my mom's sister, and it was the three of us, and someone was with my mom at every moment, and I caught a lot of shit that shouldn't have gone down, and I had to, in my own way, reprimand them numerous times because whatever. I would not wish, and I won't go super deep into this, this is another conversation for another time, I would not wish witnessing the deterioration of a loved one at all to anyone, to anyone, to anyone. I never even knew that people could deteriorate in the way that I witnessed my mom's deterioration. It was an excruciating process, and... I'm scarred. I'm traumatized from it. And what I notice is that this sadness, these waves of sadness continue arising within me to go back and to assess that hard time that I had. So my mom passed away on January 3rd of 2019. And shortly after that, my dad felt that his recovery would really benefit from getting a Harley. He always wanted a Harley. And he was such a racer kind of guy. He like grew up drag street racing in the village of New Mexico that both sides of my family are from. And everyone knew my dad as like the speed freak, the guy that loved to race and, you know, the guy that you would go to if you needed something done on your car. And that was Marty. And we, my sister and I, were not thrilled to that he got his Harley Davidson, but we did want to support him. So we were like, you know what? It makes dad happy. That's chill. And then one day on September 5th of 2020, just 20 months after my mom passed away, 20 months and two days, um, my dad was on his way to Mark's house, Mark Pena, this guy that he was getting really close to. He was my mom's first cousin God rest his soul. Mark Pena recently passed away just a couple weeks ago. 
He was spending a lot of time um, camping out at Mark's house. As a matter of fact, my dad had in the last year of his life really taken to sleeping outside and sleeping under the stars. And it was very healing for him to do so. So he was on his way to Mark's house. So there was this guy that had a reputation around the neighborhood that he would get in his truck and he would just like do-do-do really, really slow around the neighborhood in his truck. He was 93 years old, pretty blind. And because of that blindness, he had had his license revoked. So he honestly should not have been driving that day. But he was going to make a left-hand turn from the street that he lived on onto the highway. And he didn't see my dad coming. Well, my dad saw him start to turn. He laid his bike down and he was not able to avoid hitting and colliding with that pickup truck. And he wound up T-boning it and they both lost their lives that day. And I know that it can be hard, especially for people who don't know me personally. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, wow, why is she sharing such deep, deep parts of her life with us? Well, I'm sharing this because all of us have shades of grief and sorrow. Now, your life does not look like my life, but you have sadnesses that you've experienced in your life. And that's the reason that I'm making this episode right now. I want to provide context so that you know and you can feel into the daughter in me, the parentless daughter in me that yearns and grieves for her parents so deeply. And even though you might have a relationship with your parents and your parents might not have been in a loving marriage, And you, you know, whatever, whatever your story is, it's valid. I honor it. But in this moment, I'm just sharing my parents' loving 35-year marriage. The fact that I was best friends with my parents, especially my mama. And the ways that they both perished in this human life. I think that's all very important now coming into this talk on sadness and normalizing sadness and holding space for our friends when they're sad and really allowing ourselves to move through these dark times. That's why I took a month off because I could hear inside of myself this voice saying, I'm upset, I'm upset, I'm upset. And it was only when I really decided to like quell the external stimulation so that I could turn my eyes inward And allow myself to feel deeply into that sadness. Now, mind you, I go through this about once every three or four months. This is a regular part of my life now. Has been for 2019, 20, 21, 22, for three years now. And maybe one day my grief process won't want to be tended like this or feel this big but I know that it's alive within me. It's my personal truth in this moment. So I choose to honor and acknowledge and hold space for that. So one of the reasons I feel passionate about talking about this is because in the new age thought stream, high vibe only hashtag thought streams, there isn't a lot of room for density, for lower vibrations, even though the only way that we can truly move from them is by connecting with them first. You can't move it if you don't feel it first. 
if you are avoidant in acknowledging and addressing that which is moving within you, but you don't address it, you don't feel into it truly, that's called bypassing. (laughs) If you think of yourself walking down a hallway and there's like an explosive and you, you walk around the explosive so as not to hit it, you are bypassing that explosive. Now, no one's, no one's saying that that's not the thing to do in the moment. Of course, it is healthful to be mindful of where it is that you're stepping on those bombs, where you're opening up that box, where you're addressing the sadness inside of yourself. And when you're at work or when you're driving or when you're on the phone with someone that you don't feel like opening up to or whatever, of course, there are many reasons why it's not appropriate to just be exploding all the time. It's exhausting. It's draining. It is so exhausting to assess sadness and to really let yourself feel into it. Now, I want to share the seven emotional stages of grief as we generally understand them to be. So the seven stages are this. Shock or disbelief. Denial. Bargaining. Guilt. Anger. Depression acceptance, and hope. Symptoms of grief can be emotional, physical, social, or religious in nature. And in my experience anyway, I am between one, two, three, even four of these at a time, and they fluctuate throughout the years, the seasons, from day to day, moment to moment. So now let's go into grief, right? Okay, so what is grief? Grief is deep sorrow. And it's funny because when I look it up, it says especially induced by death. So grief commonly associated with death, right? Experiencing sadness over loss or perceived loss. So what can we experience grief over, right? What what can we lose? What can we feel loss over? Over objects, even over things like respect, It doesn't have to be a physical. It could be a relational experience. We can experience loss of relationship, of a job, of friendship, of a family member, a loved one. Options are endless, seemingly. A couple minutes ago, I mentioned starting to hear this voice inside me that would just say, I'm upset, I'm upset. And the voice was like cracking, like sounded like she was on the verge of tears saying, I'm upset. And in the moment, I would say, okay, well, I'm writing an email right now, so I'm going to just hold off on opening this or assessing this voice inside of me that said, I'm upset. I don't want to know what she's upset about right now. (laughs) I will create time and space for her later. So when we're moving through dark times, some of you might be listening to this and you're like, okay, I can feel this sadness inside me. What do I do? (laughs) So the first that's going to initiate us, that's going to set us off on a good one to be there for ourselves is to set aside time and space for ourselves, to go within, to slow external stimulation. This might look like saying no to functions, to engagements, to social outings in order to assess our own healing process. It's prioritizing ourselves, prioritizing our emotional health. Sometimes it can feel like we want to get out of the house and we want to go and do things which 
who am I to say whether that's the best thing for you to do? Only you know that. But there can be a pervasive feeling that makes itself more and more known if you feel that you're running from something inside of yourself. If you feel that you're running, that you are avoiding, that you are not facing, that you are making light of something inside of yourself, within your life, in your relationships. So these are all cues that maybe there's something that is tugging, pulling, yearning, desiring to be seen, to be held. And sometimes we can mistake those feelings for needing help outside of ourselves, but this episode today is one that calls for us to be our own best friend, to assess our own sadness. Now, of course, there are, right, going back to the spectrum, there are times that we do need others, professionals, medical professionals, to guide us through depending on what the sadness is about, the severity of the sadness, the severity of any trauma or PTSD that comes with that. And I fully acknowledge that, but what this episode is assessing is normal human suffering. You know, I was watching Marianne Williamson when she was running for president. I went and saw her numerous times when she was speaking around Las Vegas. And she said something that really struck home with me, which is that in this day and age, we have somewhat hyper-catastrophized normal amounts of human suffering, the suffering, the agony that we go through when someone dies, when we lose a job, when we end a marriage, when we end a relationship. You know, these are normal, somewhat normal, no matter how excruciating, normal pieces of human life that nowadays the pharmaceutical industry has really given us provisions that can catastrophize Now, by no means am I saying that the pharmaceutical industry is bad, that it shouldn't exist, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, but I do feel deeply and strongly that sometimes we may reach for an external measure to calm, to quell, to turn off the extreme response or associations that we have within a certain experience in our lives, but by no means do I feel that any experience in our lives should we have a permanent relationship with something that somewhat turns off or blocks our ability to truly feel the extent of what it is that's occurring inside of us. You can get more information about this in the microdosing psilocybin episode where we speak with microdosing guide Sina Maria. We talk about the SSRI pathways and how new neuroconnections are able to be made through natural medicines like that, whereas the SSRI antidepressants can have somewhat of a dampening effect on our ability to truly feel happiness because it blocks the lows and the highs. Anyway, we talk more about that in that episode. And I will say from personal experience, witnessing my mom witness her father's fiery death, very traumatizing, and my mom refusing to have any type of counseling and to turn to antidepressants, I did witness a decline in her own ability to self-assess her own feelings and emotions 
from that point onward. So I understand that this is a somewhat anecdotal piece. This is a biased piece that I have. Nonetheless, this is my podcast. I'm allowed to speak my mind, and I understand if that's triggering for some, I'm going to continue bearing it all here in this episode. So here it is. We've set aside time and space for ourselves. We're ready to go within. Now what? Well, intentionality is key. So be open to listening or picking up on cues that sadness might be brewing inside of you. Number three, turning inward in meditation, journaling, an intentional quiet moment. Self-reflective mirror work also is some, sometimes what I turn to. And finding your own resonant form of this day-to-day, moment-to-moment, season-to-season is absolutely key. Really what you're doing is giving that voice time and space and interest, openness, compassionate curiosity for it to share itself with you. So the fourth is opening dialogue with yourself. Truly give yourself some inward facing time. Get curious about what that sadness is about. It's a personal practice of mine to get super curious and ask a billion questions. How long has it been inside me? How does it affect my life? What peace is there to be made? What experience is there to be had that may feel somewhat relieving, releasing? so that this pent-up emotion inside of myself can be released healthfully. Number four is allowing. And the first thing that I want to tell you about allowing is maybe to go and listen to 512, which is truth, honoring what is as a lifestyle. That episode is really good too. Maybe listen after you're done with this one. So here we are, continuing onward. Right, we're on an inward journey. We're setting aside time and space for ourselves, going within, slowing external stimulation. We are bringing intentionality to the space. We are consciously opening dialogue with the self. We are turning inward in a resonant fashion, a resonant form with ourselves, which brings us then into the cracking open and allowing the self to crack open in the way that naturally occurs. I feel like it's so necessary when we talk about allowing to talk about releasing expectation because expectation is what gets in the way a lot of times for us to truly allow what is, to allow what's surfacing. So let's talk about a couple helpful hints that will help us sink into the process of allowing. Allow for this space to be unencumbered by any expectation. So release yourself from any assumption or expectation of what it's going to look like to be sad, what it's going to feel like while you're sad, while you're having this session with yourself, or what it'll feel like after. Sometimes we can be very goal-oriented and place a lot of value if we come out of the experience and things are better, or if we feel better. And I have to say right here and now, eight times out of ten, When I go into a deep cry session with myself and I really just let the feelings of sadness surface inside of myself, I don't necessarily leave that experience feeling better. (laughs) I'm happy I did it, but I don't necessarily leave feeling better. Nor do I think feeling better should be the metric with which I gauge the value of what I just experienced. Mm, I'm going to say that again. Nor do I think that feeling better should be the metric with which I gauge the value of this experience. 
I'm going to make that a quote. <laughs> That's huge. It is a complete removal from holding expectation or thinking that we, sh- we can fix things, fix ourselves, fix the way that we feel about something by assessing it. You know, usually, <laughs> usually like in the modern world, if we were to buy something or to get something and it wasn't working for us, if it didn't do <laughs> what it's quote unquote supposed to do, we would return it, right? We don't see any value in that. But the whole thing about emotional health is that assessing and allowing for what is, is fruitful in itself because the things that were being suppressed are no longer being suppressed because you allow them to come to the surface. There's a reason why after having big, long, tearful sessions, a lot of times we don't necessarily feel better, but there is a feeling of weight being lifted from our shoulders. There's this expounding of energy through tears, through release, through crying, through heavy breathing, through screams, through moans, through release of that energy. We are allowing the energy to be in motion by expressing that sadness, that grief. At least that's my experience. So allowing yourself to simply feel what is circulating inside and assessing that I'm upset voice who is distraught is enough. That's enough. That's okay. (laughs) Nine times out of 10, or I want to say 10 times out of 10, I don't feel like there are usually cry sessions that I leave that I'm like, oh, wish I hadn't done that. (laughs) They're like, that doesn't happen. (laughs) I'm always happy that I assessed that. Because it's what's real inside me. It feels like a weight has been lifted. And in that moment, that's what I consider healing to be. I don't look at healing as a place that I get to that is as if the wound never occurred. The wound is gaping and coming back together, opening back up and coming back together. It is a deep scar that I do not feel weakened by, that I honor, I wear as a badge of honor. And I take a lot of care in tending that wound when it's open, tending the scar. It's like if you've ever had like a flesh wound, you want to ensure that the scar is as minimal as possible. So we do things like anoint it with vitamin E oil as it's in the healing process. I think of these techniques, assessing my sadness, as exactly the same thing. I don't seek to eradicate the fact that this has happened to me in my life. What I seek to do is hold space for myself because in those moments, I feel held and that feels healing to me. All of us have the pleasure of deciphering what healing is for us. And for me, this is what it is. Wounds can feel weak. They can feel weakening. They can feel vulnerable. But also acknowledging those parts of the human experience can be immensely rewarding and growth-inducing. For heaven's sakes, if I wasn't able to cry as deep as I did... I wouldn't be aware of my own immense capacity for feeling. It has only been since both of my parents have passed away that I have realized 
what the depth of capacity is for my ability to feel in this life. And you know what I realized? In conclusion, in wrapping this up, going back to the conversation that I had with my dear sister Julia, the resident tarot reader for Subtle Soul here in Las Vegas, she told me, because I told her, you know, for my year ahead tarot spread, I have the Knight of Wands for February, and I thought it was going to look like this. And then it looked like this. I spent two and a half weeks sobbing my eyes out, absolutely exhausted, finding new depths, new lows of sadness in my grief process. That doesn't feel so strong when you're in that space. And the Knight of Wands is a very powerful, very, like, so masculinely... Ooh, like it's this big, deep, dope fire. It's a very, very powerful, strong card. And I was like, I just don't feel that. And she was like, you know what? I want to offer this perspective to you. You are reaching new levels of low within yourself. And you know, in doing this work, that what, that the equal and you know within yourself through doing this work, you've witnessed it time and time again, that when you find new depths, you also create new highs for yourself. The equal and opposite, universal law, equal and opposite is available to you. So utilize this. Witness that as a strength that you allowed yourself to go so deep. And I feel that. It is the deepest truth that I truly, truly feel. And that is why I extend this episode to you today, because I see how distracted we are. I see how much the big corporations keep us consuming, keep us wanting, keep us comparing, keep us distracting ourselves, keep us choosing something that doesn't matter so much that they have to infiltrate messages and programming into your psyche so that you believe in their importance. And really, what is life about This episode brings us back to what is life about? Who am I? Who am I? And what do I desire to experience in this life? Obviously, these sad times, unsavory moments are hard. There's no getting around that. And I'm not going to try bypassing it and saying, oh, well, you know, release all suffering and melt into oneness and, you know, whatever, whatever. That's the attainable in this human experience. I do not fly with that flock of birds whatsoever. (laughs) I'm here to experience this human life. I'm here to feel into the sadness, not to dwell, not to drown in it for long, long periods of time. But for heaven's sakes, I'm here to experience life. Highs and lows, ups and downs, goods and bads, (laughs) you know? I like this part of being a human. I like that part of my own ego, really feeling into how, yeah, my ego experiences life because I'm the only one of Brittany Lynn LaBeouf, maiden last name Rayel. I'm the only one, and I want to experience life to the fullest, and that means also embracing sadness. So I hope that this has been enlightening and illuminating for you. I am very excited for part two of this episode where I'm going to be going into being a grand space holder, being a very loving, nurturing, open, compassionate space holder. This is an area I feel equally as passionate about because I cannot tell you how many times I have been 
shat on, (laughs) I'm going to say it, (laughs) by well-meaning people who bypass my sadness, who put a band-aid on it, who shame me for my sadness, who tell me, ooh, I've got some good stories for y'all next time. Because in this spiritual community is a place that we want to feel safe to be exactly as we are. And there is a pervasive shame narrative for these lower, more dense vibrations. And I, for one, am here to call that narrative out and to eradicate it to the best of my ability. And if that means getting loud, and if that means putting on full display my own personal life and the reasons why this pervasive shame narrative is disempowering in its nature and it's not loving. <laughs> then I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll step into that fire. I'll step into that flame because it it matters. Okay, I'll see y'all two episodes from now. If this has touched you, if it's moved you here now at the end of the episode, I encourage you, please share it. Please share it with the people that need to hear it, with the people that are feeling down, that don't know how to handle this sadness within themselves. Pieces like this let people know that they are not alone in their struggle. And just because you you see me smiling on Instagram and you see me happy and laughing does not mean that that's the whole truth. And that's why I have avenues of communication like this. And you know what's funny? I have a couple Instagram reels on death, dying, grief, and sadness. And those are my most popular ones. One of them has like 60,000 views or something. We need to be talking about this more. (laughs) I love you all so much. Please share this outward. If something specific has resonated with you, please direct message me. I want to know about it. It is a blessing to hear your life stories, to know where you're at in your healing process. I love you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this longer episode. I love you. I love you. I love you, sister, brother, sacred being. You are so welcome here. I honor you. I love you. I'll see you next time. Bye, beloved. Namaste.